Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. after-partiers. How do you feel about being called an after-partier? My guest today, who you're about to hear, made that up. He was, he was talking about um, how Mark Marin. he's been on that podcast a couple of times, how Mark Marin calls his people, you know, he has affectionate names for his listeners. If you can call being called a what-the-fucker affectionate, which I think, I think we all can. And I've heard Pete Holmes talk about that on his podcast, and he calls his people weirdos because his podcast is called um, You Made It Weird. Something like You Made It Weird. It's kind of a running gag that nobody can remember the name of that pod. It, the, weird wor- the word weird <laughs> is in it. Um, anyway, so my guest today said, hey, what do you call your people? How about after partiers? Which is fucking genius. I'm sorry, but it is. I, I talk in the podcast about how I'm trying not to swear on podcasts, so there went that. But my guest today, ladies and gentlemen, and animals that may be sitting in the background or something, maybe a dog in the car if you're listening to this while you're driving. First of all, wear your seatbelt, okay? Second of all, I hope you're not listening on headphones because that is really, really dangerous. Anyway, my guest today is Jerry Stahl. He is the esteemed writer of Permanent Midnight. If you have not read Permanent Midnight, you have no business listening to this podcast. You have no business existing. That's, that's not true. Some people aren't readers. Maybe you saw the movie. The movie, I'm going to be honest, is not nearly as good as the book. But it was made into a movie, and it starred Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson and Elizabeth Hurley and um, some other people. But the book, oh, my God, um, it really, you know, I'm not really a fan of drug memoirs, you know, of the, I don't want to name names, you know, but some of them are just, they, they make addiction, they, they, they're so earnest. They're so freaking earnest. Um, Permanent Midnight can be described as a lot of things, but not earnest. It is laugh out loud hysterical. And I read it when I was still very much in the uh, active phase of addiction, you could say. And I just loved it and um, became obsessed with it, I would say. And when I wrote my very first book, I did not know Jerry Stahl. I randomly saw him somewhere and introduced myself to him and asked him if he would blurb my book. And he very generously did. And that I don't know. You know, there's like a thing. I don't know. Like Chinese people, like if you, if you save their life, they give you your child. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I just probably offended 70 people. But, but because he did that, it's like I kind of – he didn't just write a blurb. He wrote a really nice blurb that got me – 
uh, I remember I sent that blurb to Dr. Drew, who I didn't know very well then, and he emailed me back and said, oh my God, I've got to read this book right now. If, you know, that's, it was such an enthusiastic blurb. That was the response. Anyway, I feel incredibly grateful to him. And I know a lot, like a lot of other writers that he's done that for. And I, in considering that I'm, I wouldn't say I'm the most generous blurber. I have blurbed books. I'm not nearly as successful as Jerry Stahl. And I am not nearly as generous with the old blurb. Anyway, um, he has written seven other books, all of them novels. Uh, let's look at some autobiographical elements to all of them. And his latest book, um, I absolutely loved. It's called Happy Mutant Baby Pills. And it is out now from Harper. And it is basically a look at... Um, it's about a hair. It's always kind of about a heroin addict to, to a degree. Um, so it's about a heroin addict, but it's really about the woman he falls for who wants to make a case the way she's going to make her statement about the rampant capitalism and just how screwed up our toxic society is, is she's going to try to ingest every toxic chemical she can in order to have the most mutant child she can. It's not like, no, it's not like, Disneyland is what I was gonna say. That's like the least clever sentence. I mean, yeah. Anyway, you get what he's dark. He's dark, but he's funny, and you'll get all of it soon. He's also, you know, he he actually is in the film business as well. Um, you know, he wrote Hemingway and Gellhorn, which was on HBO, starred Nicole Kidman and Clive Owen, and what you know was nominated for a bunch of awards. And you know, he's written on CSI. Um, he wrote on Alf. That's that's what Permanent Midnight is about. You remember that show, Alf? Anyway, he was he probably doesn't. He was like you know making splattering blood on the walls of the bathrooms um, because he was you know doing heroin there. So anyway, he is um, he is a great guy and he is a very very funny guy and he is my guest today. So oh, and you better listen to the end because he makes this offer to you guys to you after partiers that was both unexpected and quite generous. So if to respond to his generous offer, tweet us both, me, at Anna After Party, him, at some Jerry Stahl, and you could win an autographed copy of Happy Mutant Baby Pills. So love you guys. You're going to like this one. This is working. Great. So I can't talk shit the way I was about to. I have this new thing where I was going to, we're, we're literally recording. I'm trying not to swear on podcasts. Because? <laughs> well, I went to a life coach once, I feel like I might have told you this story before, who said that, um, he said, your life will be profoundly better if you do three things. And I'm, tell me. And he said, if you stop complaining, gossiping, and swearing. And I was like, well, I get the complaint. I've heard about that guy, and he's a fucking phony. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he does get around. Hugo Corey is his name. People love this guy. I've never heard of him. I've never been to a life coach. That could be my problem. Well, you, I don't think you need one. It's too late. Your life my seems life to is, be working. Well, for a minute, but, you know, off the rails there for a while. I well, could have used a coach. Does he um, watch you live your life and yell from the sidelines? No, like a I know. Coach? I mean, that would be really expensive. I think that um, a live-in life coach, a live-in life coach, or maybe one like that Brian had Wilson you on had. camera. Yeah, <laughs> well, you could probably put yourself on kid. There's people who would pay for that, <laughs> even if they weren't life coaches. But this guy, so I was, I, I was just, 
I, I thought, you know, I said, I understand the gossiping and complaining thing. You know, that's like sure. recovery behavior. We try not to do that, right? Even though as a writer, it's hard not to complain when you write books. Well, you can complain to other writers. Right. If you complain to other people, they would sort of like to have written books themselves. So they think you're just a douche. But they're the luckiest people on earth, as far as I'm concerned. Non-writers? Yes. No, I have a friend who says this is horrible. He said he thinks what Dave Eggers is doing is an abomination. The last thing you should be teaching kids is writing skills because then this is a writer. Then they'll try to become writers and they'll be penniless. Um, well, that's why I prefer to teach in places like San Quentin. Right. They already got nothing. They're right. making like a nickel a week. Right. You know, Do you really hammering. teach writing there? Well, I used to. I've done really? it. I used to teach at Silmar Juvenile Hall for... Uh, violent offenders about to be 18 and shipped off but i thought it was a great thing to do because they live these crazy ass yeah. stories and they're confined yeah bad news guards kept taking their pencils really what about bunker isn't that his name edward Ed bunker yeah yeah the best didn't he write in prison i know he wrote when he got out of prison right yeah right he, yeah sure he's the one who discovered danny trail okay yeah he discovered Danny Trejo in prison? No, he discovered Danny Trejo when Danny Trejo was taking somebody uh, who shall remain nameless, uh, who was in a movie called Runaway Train, I believe, that uh -huh. Ed was involved in. And he recognized him because Danny was the boxing champion of San Quentin. He was? What so is Danny I've Trejo heard. known for? Is it acting? Yeah, he's a great actor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I always hear people, recently someone was like, oh, Danny Trey, and I, and I no, never... No, I only mention him because you mentioned Ed Bunker, and right, I right. always and think connected. one with the other. They're connected. In my mind, they are. Okay, okay. Ed Bunker's an amazing writer. Yeah, he's not... Is he still alive? No, he's not. But he looked good in Reservoir Dogs. He was in Reservoir... He was Eddie? He was sitting at the table. He was one of the guys at the table in the beginning, in okay. the opening. Okay, That's when, it. When Over Steve and out. When Steve Buscemi says, the littlest violin in the world plays for the waitresses that get no tips. Yes. That one. That would be the one. Um, now, Interesting okay. you remember that line. <laughs> well, I kind of, I always kind of try to steal it about, you know, when I'm complaining. Mm -hmm. I just try to steal it for humor. It doesn't work. Um, on a complain on Twitter about like, oh, the littlest violin plays for the person with the uh -huh. bad meditation. Yeah. Bad, bad meditation? If you have a bad meditation, it's incredibly infuriating. But it, you will find that if you try to complain to somebody about that, nobody What exactly cares. is a bad meditation? Well, do you meditate? I'm meditating now. <laughs> do you ever it's do... It's going well. Do you ever do the kind where you don't talk? Sure. I was a yoga guy for years. You were? I almost became a yogi. So no longer a yoga guy? Well, there was some heroin in between. Right. Yeah. Oh, that preceded. Yeah. I had to make a choice. It was a fork in the road. But you're... Sachidananda or Heroinanda. And I went with Heroinanda. But now... So you've been, you've been sober now how long? A long time. Long time. Yeah. You Which I don't talk about because I think it's bad juju. Oh, interesting. God, my juju's horrible. All Just speaking for myself, right. I feel like if you start honking on how fucking long you have sober... Right, right, right. I right. never talk about it. Right. I never use the word recovery. If somebody wants help, I'll talk. But right. I don't talk about that. Right, right, right. I'm happy to answer your question because you asked. Right, but right. That's I just find you it. Uh, I just people ask in interviews, and right. I'll just say a long time. A long time's about a needle in my neck. Right, right. I mean, and I remember. It's a personal thing. I remember that you wrote that piece for the Weekly about. It's a hilarious piece about how you relapsed right after Permanent Midnight came out. Right. Uh, I relapsed while writing Permanent right. Midnight. Yes. Um, somehow that piece was hilarious. 
a piece about. I'm sure it was. I don't even remember that I wrote that piece. I'd like to no, read it. No, it's a classic. Is it really? Yes. I'll have to dig it out. Yes. Yeah, um, no, it was, it was mortifying, but such is life, you know? And I fessed up to it, obviously, and talked right. about it because right. it's, it's the classic move. Right. But it's that thing that happened where you have this thing you want and you've wanted it all your life and you're clean and you got a little money and you got this dream come true. And guess what? Right. You still feel like I'm going to violate your life coach's dictum. Shit. You're allowed to swear. I'm allowed to swear. He's not my life coach. No. My life coach killed himself. (laughs) You didn't have a life coach. Not anymore. Well, so yeah, because, um, yeah, I do think as soon as one starts to sort of try to represent oneself as fully cured and I've got, let me preach, you know, it's like the I don't, couple. I don't talk about it, period, right. end of story. I know this because I've sort of tried to get you, including like almost right now, and you, you, it's like you actually, you're totally interested, not totally interested, I hate it when I say totally, I hate it more than when I swear, you are. got a lot of hate going on, we need to talk about, you need to get, is your life coach available again? <laughs> Can you re-up? I don't like this self-hate I'm sniffing. The truth is that I You're an amazing person with an incredible career, and I'm honored to be on your show. You are are too kind to me. Can we talk on this about um, positive positive affirmations? The incredible thing you did for me. well, you know, and I, you know, I've already told you this before, but I was, you know, completely obsessed with Permanent Midnight and before I was sober. And then I worked at a film production company and you came in and I was so excited and sort of didn't understand, you know, very narcissistic, didn't understand. You're kind of going in to meet with, let's be honest, a douchebag because it was somebody in the film industry. Um, and, and I'm like, hi, oh my God, I love Permanent Midnight. And then, um, you intimidated me. You still kind of intimidate me. I'll tell you the truth. I'm just sitting here. I know. I know. You couldn't be nicer to me. And yet, and yet, I just have this idea. I think it's just when you, I was, have been so obsessed with that book. I understand. So then, Is it disappointing? Because when I, no. meet, when I meet somebody I really admire, oh. I can't, I don't even talk to them. Right. I don't right. speak. What am I saying? I love your work. You know, what are you going to say? It's awful. You feel so stupid. I, I'm going through. I met Mickey Rooney the other day, right uh-huh. up the street. Oh, wait. I saw your tweet about that because it was Ben Stiller's uh He's putting his hand and footprint in there. Yes. What was Mickey Rooney doing there? Mickey Rooney. Crazy. I don't know if you know anything about his career. Midsummer no. Night's Dream. He shot. He played Puck when he was six. Okay. In the very same room where we were having lunch after the event. So he just happened to be there. No, he was at the event. And he, right. uh, the person with me who runs Ben's company, a guy named Stuart Kornfeld, said, you know, I saw Mickey on uh, a talk show when I was a kid reciting his poem. He writes poetry and he recited his poem. On the talk show or that day? You had Both, both. He said, Would you I'm like to hear to. Mickey Rooney's poem? Did you memorize it? It's very short. Yeah. You slave, you slave. From the cradle to the grave. And it's all just an ego trip. It's brilliant. Mickey Rooney. Mickey says it all. You don't need a life coach if you get that tattooed in your arm. So you did not say to him, I'm a great admirer. I said nothing. I just sat there. Well, there's the thing. I'm not saying he was like the reason I was, you know. But you I like the guy, you know. Um, here's the, I do think that li- living in L.A., the one thing I do, if I, if I meet somebody who is, you know, a movie star, I will absolutely do that L.A. thing where I completely pretend 
not to know because it's so it's so embarrassingly obvious that I I'm not I don't acknowledge it. It's tricky. It's, it's the, tricky appro- to, the appropriate thing to that do is to not acknowledge it. It's tough to say, but that's not because you really admire them. That's because you know they're a huge fucking movie star. Yeah, and it feels... It's a little, there's two different things. Right, I mean, it might be Sylvester Stallone, for Christ's right. sake, who I know you really admire, so I might be... He's the, contra- my raison d'etre. That's what my love coach and I decided. No, he's not. Sly. I've never seen... Well, Rocky's the only Sly movie I've seen. I understand. It's the only one you have to see. Yeah. Well, but one I... One through 17, either any of them. <laughs> But I think it's different with writers. Uh, writers, I completely agree. So I think any writer, even, no matter how well-known they are, mm-hmm. is always happy to hear it from somebody who is. Because you took the time to, you know, it's not some like, I don't know about movie. that. I mean, would you run up to Stephen King or somebody who's just an off-the-wall, Well, off you know who charts? I did it to? And it went fine, as far as I know. Well, of course it went fine. Look at you. Martin oh. Amos. Oh, I love Martin Amos. I did it. See, I, see I, I couldn't have done it, but maybe it's a guy thing. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe I could do it. He was speaking. He, it was an amazing event. He, Matthew Weiner from Mad Men was mm-hmm. in conversation with him at the Writers Guild or something. It was something I bought a ticket for. And he was brilliant. He is brilliant. Brilliant. And I brought my entire stack of Martin Amos books. That's wonderful. Um, That's wonderful. And I went and I and I, and I told him I reread Money every mm-hmm. year. And, John Self. Yep. Yeah. Greatest. Amazing. I mean, one of the best books about alcoholism in the movie business Absolutely. I've ever read. Yeah. No, he's he's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. And, and he it, was very kind to you. He he was very kind. Well, so he's signing, and and I said, uh, you know, I just was sort of doing that fawning thing, and then he said, um, you know, as he's signing, he looks up and he's like, "You're a writer." I do a horrible British accent. I think that's a brilliant British accent. I go. It almost makes me think your American accent is fake. That's how good it is. <laughs> I said, I said, yes. And then he goes, like, uh, I just like, published, like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I was, said, yes. And he said, surname. And I was like, David. And he's like, Anna David, I'll look out for you. I don't really think he did. I bet he's doing it right now. <laughs> he's reading my oeuvre. He is. He's like, forget writing. I just need to read Anna I David. I need to get under the blackets with a flashlight and read Anna David. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's I, funny because he hasn't done anything in a while. So he, clearly, clearly he's very, he's very obsessed. busy. <laughs> is know, that the little guy with the teeth I saw outside <laughs> waiting? He did move to America. He moved know, to Brooklyn. With his, yeah, with his two daughters. Um, but then that went so well. I was so overconfident that I then took a picture with him. I mean, he's lucky I didn't ask to shoot a vine, you know? Do you know what a vine is? I know you're new to social media. Do you know what vine is? I live for vines. You don't. Do you really? Explain it to me as if I don't know. Okay. It is this new thing that, that people are all excited about is the newest social media where it's a, I guess it's a 12-second or 17-second video that you can make. Um, and because we live in a silly society that gets really excited about kind of silly things, everybody went crazy for it. And now people are making money. You know, the people with the most Vine followers or, you know, advertising agencies are hiring. Like, they're like seven-second videos. So how, far, how deep are you in the Vine land? Not that deep. But you're getting there. Fact. No, I'm, I'm actually terrible at making vines, which it, it's almost hard to be terrible at it, but I completely succeed. But that could be your secret. <laughs> but it, it definitely requires, I would say... You're in the vineyard. The That's main, the important thing. <laughs> the main thing vine requires is probably unemployment because you really have to do it a lot to get good at it. Technically, I qualify. That's probably why it's catching on. Um, but Look, I'm the guy who like you know caught on to Twitter. You did, late. 
But, I'm saying 20 years after everybody had already but, thought it was Utrecht. But you're you know. playing, you know, you're, you're doing it. I mean, I just got the Facebook thing up going. You did? Yeah, pretty soon I'll switch to an iPhone. Whoa. I don't want to go too crazy. Whoa. Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, you told me this. Um, well, we just did that lovely uh, story for Vice, which was An amazing interview, super fun ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, and, and a damn good lunch. And a damn good lunch. Um, and it was actually tough because you everything you say. I'm sorry, I don't. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Everything you say is really funny, and it was hard to actually pick what you know because there's only. Well, clearly they decided we didn't merit any more space, and that's just what we had no, to work with. That's as long as they will run them. They tweeted the hell out of that. So did they? It seems like it. Yes, I so, think they did. Yeah, I got some some love from Canadian Vice. Oh, you did? Which Look almost seems like an oxymoron. It sure but does. <laughs> they drink sour milk. I don't know what they do up there, but they were very They're really very nice, kind. except they're, and then their Toronto mayor smokes crap. But they're really nice about it. I wrote a piece about that. Oh, you did? Was that Huffington Post? No, I don't write for Huffington Post. Because you... I like to get paid. You like to get paid. I just did an interview for Huffington Post. Yeah. And God bless him. It's a great interview with David Henry Sterry. Yes. The chicken... What did he write? Chicken... Among other things, yeah. Yeah. Great interview. But I... This is for a site called... I clicked on it. I know... Made Man. Oh, Made Man. Yeah. yeah. I actually write for them. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do a bunch of stuff for them. Oh, good, good, good. They're, are they paying you real money? They don't pay me real money. You deserve real money. It's not... You know, real money is a moving target. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When you're starving, three pieces of toast is a real meal. You right, know? right. It's really it's gotten all to be like relative. That. Steve, are you working for Steve? I don't know Steve. Okay. I'm not working for anybody. I just send him the stuff. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, but I wanted to, okay, 17 thoughts have occurred to me since we've been on this little thing, and that is that, that David um, is one of the, the many people, I would say, I have bonded with because you were kind enough to blurb our first books. And you were so good about that. And, 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 you know, so the story goes that I saw you and I did that thing, you know, and I was like, oh my God, you're Jerry Stahl. I love you. Oh my God. And you were very nice about it. You, you were, you were like Martin Amos, but without the British accent, you were very, very kind. And I said, you know, I just sold my first book and that's when I didn't know that writing books was, you know, the disaster of life choice. And I was so excited and you were so that's amazing, fantastic. And I said, would you ever blurb me? And you said, yes. And you gave me your email address and I emailed you and you wrote me the nicest blurb. Oh my God, watch. Look what I can do. It's in, in this very office. I was immortalized you were on immortalized. your book poster. And, That's um, wonderful. And that blurb, because you gave me that blurb, I then used that and got blurbs from other people who sort of, I would send that blurb and they'd say, oh my God, please send me this book right now. I'd be so honored. I didn't, you know, I seem to have juice for other people <laughs> that does nothing for my own quote unquote it, career, it but really I'm so fun. happy. I mean, I'm a very popular blurber. You are. And you said to me, well, Cubby, um, you know, who, uh, why am I blanking on your, Hubert Selby. Hubert Selby did it for me. And, and, and suggested that I do, you know, basically I do that for people. Well, it's a two-parter. Yes, he did that for me, which was incredible. But more importantly, or as importantly, the people who didn't do it for me and really fucking hurt. Right. You and remember I, who you asked? I asked a lot of people. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of writers. Yeah. I'm not, I still don't necessarily travel in those circles, but, uh, though I do travel in circles. You do. But, uh. <laughs> 
they wouldn't blur me. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to do that. So I actually LA weekly once got me by publishing like the 10 top blurbs of Jerry Stahl, <laughs> which all How sounded many? vaguely Flannery O'Connor were chained to a bed with <laughs> Truman Capote and force fed Ibogaine. The result would probably be something like, you know, it was all some so version of that. So you're saying that you weren't as wowed by my book as I I'm saying I am enthusiastic about so many books. Yeah, I no, love the opportunity. But it is so nice. Richard Rushfield is a friend of mine who you also blurbed. How's um, Richard doing? He's good. He's good. Runs Yahoo or something. Yeah, right? you, you're very up on Richard sure. Rushfield. Yeah. yeah, I'm up on everybody. Yeah, look at that. Um, and so, and so, because you did that, then my intimidation only grew. And I told you this when I saw you um, when we did the Vice thing. You mean if I had been a dick, you would have been less intimidated? No, it was just sort of like, oh my God, this writer, and he, he said the nicest thing. And so, mm. and, and so I felt sort of indebted, but scared at the same time, which are That's kind of... That's a lethal combo <laughs> in certain situations. And so then I would run People into you. People take advantage of that. And so you definitely did not. I would run into you, and I would never know for sure if you remembered me, and I would always sort of walk away feeling really silly, and then, and then you'd say something like, you know... Um, oh, hey, and I'm with my daughter. Remember, I, I introduced you to her at uh, Victor's nine years ago. So you actually had this incredible memory, and I... My, well, you're a memorable person. Well, thank you. God thank knows you. the number of people I've forgotten. <laughs> I'm terrible with names, and especially at book events when people come yeah. up and they have this look of horror yeah. as you do that thing oh. where, how do you spell your name again? It's like Bob. <laughs> Ed. No. But did you ever see their, did you ever see extras that Ricky Gervais Of course. Yeah, there amazing. is the funniest one was that one where he's, he has to sign the makeup girls right. picture and he's like, and so it has two E's. Like he cannot remember her name. <laughs> exactly. Like, yeah. It's terrible. And then you realized, well, I actually lived with that person for right. a year and a half and I've just blocked it out. Well, speaking of which neighbors, how about that? When it's too late, you never learned it the first time, you know? Oh, yeah. And so then you're three years into living next to them. And well, the, the worst is then you have to introduce somebody to them. <laughs> yeah, so you, go, you know the trick, right? Educate me, because it may be... You go, you know Jerry, right? You, you say the name of the person you do know. Well, you do say the name. You can't say you know Jerry. Well, they, you could. You could be an insane person just, who doesn't know that I your could be an insane person, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that doesn't know your neighbor doesn't know your friend, you know? Yes, you could do that. What do you do? Oh, you say, I'm so sorry, I forgot your name. God forbid that kind of honesty can get you in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. What do, what do you do in a situation like that? I say, I'm sorry, I've forgotten my name. <laughs> and then it puts, puts it on you. <gasps> okay. I like mine better. Yours is better, but I just made mine up. <laughs> okay. Well, good. I say you try mine. Um, so, okay, so, so let's talk about the new book. Happy Mutant Baby Pills. Yes. Happy Mutant Baby Pills. And for those who did not read that excellent Vice story, uh, why don't we tell uh, everybody what the, you give the... I know. I know because you haven't done this yet. <laughs> Have not done... The summary of what the book is about. Oh, I've done it many times. Yeah. So, and it's so always let, different. Oh, good. It's, okay, good. So yes. let's, tell, let's tell After Party Pills. You notice throwing me off? If you look out your window, there's a tree weaving back and forth. You see that? And it's vaguely hypnotizing me. Well, it also looks like it could crash. It looks like it could crash through here at any second. No wonder you got this office cheap. <laughs> it's a beautiful office, but I mean, it's this is a... It's a beautiful office, but it's an endangered you bet, I would I would suggest some office place insurance, my friend. Seriously, that tree... Well, it's very cold 
out too. Have you noticed? It's cold and it's clearly windy. Either that or it's just loose. That thing's coming in here. Cherry, I didn't even notice that. Well, I'm staring at it. And now it's all I can see. (laughs) Look at that thing. Would you say, though, that you are hyper-tuned in to potential dangers? No, I just don't see a lot of wobbly trees. <laughs> Two separate things. But I was segueing into your book. Yes, you were. And I noticed that I could either do that or save us or both. Or continue to scare me. <laughs> save no, us both from potential to... catastrophe. No. no, the book is uh, called Happy Mutant Baby Pills. Um, it's a story of two different people whose paths intersect. And one of them is a guy who always wanted to be a writer. And when he was a kid, he read the backs of cereal boxes. And then he grew up and uh, wrote the backs of cereal boxes. He became that kind of writer. Right. Because I'm fascinated with the people who get up in the morning, go into an office with their little Danish and turn on their computer and then write the directions for a fleet enema. Right. That's their job. Right. Uh, So there's that guy. He writes the side effects for different drugs and his claim to fame, speaking of fleet enemas, is uh, he invented the phrase, the phrase anal leakage. Right. Which he found was better than seepage. Right. Because seepage is just kind of gross, but leakage is like kind of around the house. <laughs> you know, pipes leak, faucets leak. So he's that guy. Right. Also happens to be a heroin addict because I'd done some research yes. for another book on that. And uh, he falls in love with a woman and ends up committing murder with her who... Uh, also is a heroin aficionado, but her name is Nora, and I'm not going to even give a spoiler alert because it doesn't really matter, but she has decided her protest against the rampant mutating and cancer-inducing effects of uh, unregulated capitalism and pharmacological mayhem in which we inhabit, where we can't turn on a TV without learning about restless knee syndrome and suddenly your knees twitching. She decided she will take every over, under, and beyond the counter thing there is from rustoleum to Abilify and everything in between. And heroin. And heroin to mutate her baby and have the most mutant, grotesque, deformed, purple with wheels and a Ron Perlman head child she can or Rondo Hatton as we discussed (laughs) and this will be her protest against capitalism and I would I do think I would love to to talk about the thing how I thought it was a very optimistic I wonder as I was saying that and and I'm I'm so sorry to interrupt rude habit but I realize as I was telling you no wonder I can't get on you know TV talk shows (laughs) They well, tried to get me on some, and they're like, are you fucking kidding? <laughs> it's, well, as, as the booker told me, who was a friend of mine, they didn't just say no. They but, slammed down the phone. Well, you tell the truth, and the truth is not popular on... But it's amusing. I find it terribly amusing. But then you're probably as sick as I am. I, I wonder. I, you know, it has, I will say, as you know, I love the book. It has made me a little bit more paranoid, mostly about the, the sort of, you know, sort of uh, the food that I'm eating. Aspartame. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think I'm, I'm edging a little bit more towards organic since reading that book. It's, you know. Well, don't go crazy, but I think it's, it's a train you might want to hop on. Yeah. yeah. I think it is a good Although one. what they're going to do pretty soon is uh, the agriculture department will basically undercut 
the meaning of the word organic so that at some point in the near future, you may not be able to trust that. So they'll be riddled in pesticides too? They're fighting that fight. Right. Yeah. So how, so basically, and so you, when you were writing this, it was when your, your then girlfriend, now wife was pregnant with your second child. Yes. Uh, that is the other story, which is a crazy coincidence that I got hep C, which is what junkies got when they were lucky enough not to get AIDS Right. back in the when proverbial did you get day. It? I must've got about 20 years ago. I mean, I didn't go to a doctor for years, so right. I found out about 20 years ago. Who knows how long I had it. And what were your symptoms? Massive fatigue, mm. night sweats. Basically, it's like waking up with a hangover when you haven't been loaded. Right. Because, you know, I've been clean for way too many years to be waking up with hangovers. You right, know? right. Um, and you just feel like shit all the time. It's like having the flu. Right. Um, and apparently you can also be an asshole because the nurses, some of the people administering the test said that amongst themselves... You know, I befriend people, but... Right. And, uh, Not it, you, though. That but, wasn't a symptom for you. Uh, no, I was an asshole for years. Oh, Absolutely. Really? I don't know if I can blame the disease. Really? It's like that thing that happens and you realize you're off drugs and you're still a dick, but you can't blame <laughs> the drugs anymore. I know. But I do feel right now, I don't, I don't feel... Because it's that thing where you're so tired. I mean, the fatigue right. is just punishing. It's like you're running underwater. Right. And it's just hard to be have this sort of mental... An emotional discipline not to say whatever the fuck comes out. Right. Not to be sort of, meh. And um, I actually, in my old age, feel better than I did at like 20 or 30. You know, I'm very lucky. Well, so because... So the book is about the fact that once I got on this medication, which was at a trial drug company, a trial drug for a pharmaceutical company, ironically considering how much I rail against them. I know. I was told not to touch, as I say, this woman or my baby would be deformed, and I was cured. So was the only danger was for people who were pregnant? You could touch, I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's not like it could be transmitted, um, whatever the no, it, it's were. it was, yeah. It was specifically pregnant. mutagenic, pregnancy. pregnant yeah. people, yeah. And she, and she had just gotten pregnant at that she, time? Uh, yes, she had just gotten pregnant. And uh, we were moving in together. Right. Because it was one of those crazy things. Yeah. Uh, unplanned. These things happen. Apparently they do. From what I've read. Um, and yeah, it was just an insane situation. And, and so you actually, she had to move to a different state. Well. Just to be safe. She had family back there anyway, right. so that was a better move. Yeah. Uh, because if, had I moved out, she would have been sort of alone, right, you know, right. so that made sense. Right. And so she was taken care of to an extent, uh, and, and, this cured and the, you. the substance cured me, but it was like doing bad acid for about six months. Oh, is, is that, that's what it felt like to oh take it? Oh my God. I mean, it was much better than interferon, which is what the traditional cure was, just a pill. But uh, I was sort of like an AIDS cocktail, but there was this component where the side effects were mental. And I should add, one of the main effects of having hepatitis C, and this is literally a medical term, is called brain fog. Right. Where it's that thing where you're driving home, you're like, where do I live again? Right. Who am I talking to? Where am I driving? Who did I just dial? Right. Uh, Which could also be senility, but when it hits at like 35, it's probably not (laughs) senility. Well, you lived hard. And I made the mistake of not dying young. Well, here's what's interesting. Because when you don't die young, weird shit happens. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hi, this, I'm almost I'm almost embarrassed to still be alive. You're not that old. Though. Thank you. You're not at all. You look terrific. I Thank happen you. to know your age, and I find it. Shocking. Well, I thought it was weird that you make podcast guests take their clothes off, but that's <laughs> you know I don't judge, but it's interesting. You know, you got to do something different these Everybody's days. Everybody's got an angle. Yeah. I yeah. can't wait to see the vine, so to speak. <laughs> um. But I think that it's interesting that you went from being strung out to then getting clean and feeling bad. So you had not had much experience with what it was like to feel normal in a no. very long time. I was either strung out or sick my entire adult Unt- life. Until last year? Until last year. Yeah. And so it's been I, a year and change. I, I almost find it hard to imagine a doctor saying to you, well, we've got this trial from the pharmaceutical company and you, know, and you saying, okay, sure. Given having, you know, what I know about your feelings. That is absolutely true. Sometimes we make decisions that violate our own... Why am I talking the royal we? Suddenly I'm like King Louis for a sudden. (laughs) Anyway, here's the thing. I didn't want to do fucking interfere. Yeah. Because I knew two people who killed themselves on it. It's bad shit. And it's somebody else who tried. And, you know, you lose your hair. You're puking for... you know, And and it doesn't always work. Like... so this is 40% good. of the time. So I figured, okay, this is a new trial. What's the worst that can happen? It's just pills. Yeah. And also, um, I just had a feeling it might work. What's it called again? Does not, as of the time I took it, it's not even approved yet. It has no name. Right. It was like RDA number three. Right. Well, let's it was hope Abbott, it gets Abbott Pharmaceuticals was the company, and God bless them. So that's the irony, you know. Here I am railing against the chemical companies right. and the pharma. And it's sort of like if you have involved. appendicitis and the only doctor handy is Joseph Mangala. Right. And he takes out your appendix, do you get off the table and shoot him in the face? Right, right. It's a it's the eternal question. It's a moral dilemma. It's true. Did your um did the people giving you this drug know about the book that you were writing? I wasn't writing it when I first started. Mm-hmm. That's what gave me the idea. Mm-hmm. I was already right. I'm, you know what? I'm lying. I was writing a book, but it took an abrupt right turn. Oh, really? Yeah. What was it going to be? Or do you not even want to? Well, it was more about that guy, Lloyd, the writer. Right. Uh, who wrote this stuff. And then suddenly I myself was on a pharmaceutical hayride. Right. And uh, hayride. What the fuck? Where did that come from? <laughs> I was going to say. At least you're not Louis the, you know, 14th. 14th. I would love to be Louis the 14th. I know, right? That guy, could you ever go to Versailles? Give me a break. Yeah, that was a nice yeah. place. Beats this office with the tree. Look, the tree the stopped. The tree has stilled. Look You know at what? That. There is a guy. I think, I think I'm going to not die today. I think you're fine. Yeah. That was weird. We are both witnesses. Well, I had this feeling happened. of like, am I moving back and forth <laughs> and the tree is still? Or am I sitting here and no, the tree I is weaving? Okay, right? It's not. It's not moving. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, way to kill my buzz about how excited I am to have this office. It's a fantastic office. It's rarely windy up here. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I can here. just stay away on windy days. Or just face the window. You know, keep yourself kind of out of the So I'll know. So I'll know like a few seconds before it's all going to end. Well, you, you know, you're out here. You're fine. Um, yeah. Well, today you're on watch since you're facing the window. I trust. If I'm you on get tree up, duty. If you get up and run, I'm going to follow. I'll drag you behind me in a fireman's carry, I trust. <laughs> so, and so, r- writing books um, these days, this was, which, this is your ninth? Eighth. Eighth book. And, um, the, okay, that, that means your meter. 
That means we take a break. Hang on. I cannot go a few feet without somebody saying, giving you a compliment, as I just observed. Oddly enough, as I was walking to the elevator, put money in my meter, which it's a good thing I did because they were just pooling the fuck Look up. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, you Saving you money. Yeah. Saving me money. And that's for you. Yes. In my book. Thank you. Uh, yes, I did a monologue as a guest of ASCAT. Do you know what ASCAT oh. is at UCB? I do know what it Started is. Started by then, Amy Poehler yeah. and Tina Fey back in the day. So I was the guest monologist. And did you know what you were going to do? Is it improv? No, or? they give you a word. Oh, that's horrible. You'd be great at that. As evidence, by I that, would not that, say that I was great, but he seemed to think I was funny. <laughs> I had flop sweat for days. What but was he the thought word? I was funny. Yellow. Oh wow! And the second word was mirror. And what did you do with that? I've blocked it out. <laughs> but uh, let's just say I don't think it was highbrow. <laughs> I talked a little bit about mirror work and affirmations. You're not afraid to go scatological. I know that from your. Did I just work. do something in this room that made you say that? No, it's oh. just when you said that it wasn't intellectual. Was was is that what you said it wasn't highbrow? Either way, I immediately assu- I immediately thought that meant scatological. You said I went right to scat. Yeah. Damn, I know. Anna, what very... have I what have I done to make you think? No, that? every now and then this podcast reveals things about me that I'd, I'd rather. Do you not. see me and get scatty? <laughs> no, I just I, I don't mean to like give anything away, but but there's something scatty about the the murder that takes place in your new book. Well, you know, I knew a hitman once. You did? Many years ago. And he didn't talk much about his work, as real guys are, unlike in the movies. Yeah. So you know what the worst thing about it is? When people die, they shit themselves. It's like, wow. Where's the dignity? Seriously. Well, I mean, we do it when we give birth, too, pretty much. That's one of the best things you do when you give birth. (laughs) Having just been front and center at a birth. It wasn't beautiful? It was beautiful the way a hatchet murder can be beautiful. A lot of blood. A lot of blood. Let's just say, I don't, want, I don't want to fulfill your perceived notion of me as scat man Carruthers, but there are all sorts of effluvium. Yeah. My first wife, I believe I actually saw her grow a hemorrhoid. You watched it? I was right there. It's like time lapse. You know how in time lapse photography, they would have like this beautiful developing of like a desert flower? Yeah. It was just like that, except it was a hemorrhoid. Well, in real time. That's amazing. Is anybody left listening at this point? <laughs> so you've led me, you tell me I'm scatty, and you just scattered a little scat bait. I knew and I, I was took it. A door. I took it. I, kn- I took I'll the scat honest. bait. You were, you were, I mean, we got to take it. You know, I, g- I, g- I give you what you want. You know, you clearly. <laughs> Nobody could say you don't deliver what the host asks for. Apparently that happened at ASCAT too. So all I can tell you is that this, I, I saw this man get very excited about you in the lobby and trying to bond with him myself, you know, after you left to go feed the meter, I said something like, oh, are you talking about his moth monologue? Because, you know, who knows what somebody's complimenting you on. And he looked at me like, like the way like Martin Amos you would think would, but he was so friendly. He just looked at me like, no. And I, so I felt the need to say, I had to drop it. I was like, yeah, well, he's here doing my podcast. I told him that. He didn't, he did not want to dignify me with an appropriate response. If it makes you feel any better. Yeah. You made him feel small. I did not make him feel small. You might have. That's a man, woman thing. I don't think I did. But he is here interviewing for position as unpaid intern. (laughs) 
so he's that's... not feeling that good to begin with. You're here in an office. You're famous. You're doing a fucking podcast. It's famous. You see you're how a, I get mobbed. You're it's... a best-selling author. And, you know, uh, I met a guy who he was, he was saw me at UCB. Excited. He was very excited. And, um... Well, it made me feel good because I did not know that I had Succeeded. not... Yeah, um, I believe that um, I, you were incredibly modest, but I believe that people came up to you afterwards and told you that it was really funny. Well, not so much. And also, uh, my wife is a student at UCB, so she herself was there. And you know how it is when there's somebody... Like, I never tell people when I have any kind of performance or reading or anything. I just right. do it. I don't right. like people I know being there. Right. Well, I'm, I I'm not a guy people, who sends out announcements and shit. See, I got to tell people or no one will show. Well, UCB is like huge. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, a line around the block. Yeah. You know, they could put that unpaid intern wannabe guy up there. He'd be better than me, apparently, according to how he feels. I'm, you, know I, what? No, you know what I love? I love that you project your feeling about yourself onto this poor innocent <laughs> bastard who's here for an unpaid intern gig he and hating himself. Friendly. He was not friendly to me. I'm just going to say that. Well, you know, but, can I tell you something about guys like, you know, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I but, don't you know, think he does. Let's just say there's a certain kind, and I say this with love, because as my grandfather used to say, can you hear that? The squeaky? Squeaky chair, I yeah. like that. Okay. Every kettle has a lid. But yeah. a guy like that sees a beautiful, well put together, clearly <laughs> successful woman hovering over him. Of course he's going to appear like a because he's like intimidated and no, creeped out. Yeah, you know what? Not. You know? Well, now that you told me he's interviewing for an unpaid intern, maybe. But but trust me. No, some some Interviewing people, for an unpaid intern gig. Do you think gig. he'd work as much? And he's 40. <laughs> I mean, this is not a pretty picture. This guy's older than you. Well, he just that. aged five years in that fucking chair. I'll tell you that between me and you. But, but, okay, let's go back to UCB. He's so, in a puddle of shame now. He was all geared up. He had his riff that he was going to say. Job. And now he's like, God, that pretty. She looked at me and like I was a toad. No, I was trying to bond over knowing you, over being I didn't your realize fan. You were, I didn't realize you were behind me. I Well, you know, sneaking up. Sneaking up. I was Damn, going to you get your coffee. Damn, you are on patrol. Thank you. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't following you, I swear. Speaking of which. The coffee's kind of good here. It's good. I'm schwitzing. Um, yeah, I know. It's hot. I don't know. It's probably since I had the coffee. I don't well, know. It's freezing outside, so it works well. Yeah, LA is yeah, LA's not normally this cold, right? I like it like this. I, I love do it. Not like Wakes, it. I don't like the heat. I'm in the wrong city. Town. Yeah. I do not like the heat. Well, don't uh, like the sun. Yeah. Way too. Paranormal. I got moles they got to chop off once a year and send to Cleveland when you know. Well, when, you know, you block. You, I do a lot. I do. I do. 60. You do a sixty? Yeah, even in, even in the winter. You put it on before you go to bed. <laughs> I have a friend, the friend who got me to do it. I said, you know, do you put it on? I was like, do you, do you wear it at sixty in the winter? And she said, I, like automatically, I wear it when I'm next to a window, when I'm not even going outside. That's what I'm saying. And it's night. <laughs> you can't be too safe. You can't be too safe. I'm a sun worshiper, and but well, I, I have uh, one of my best friends, no longer with us. Went out, died when you know, little mole somewhere. Uh, Next thing you know, yeah, no, 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 not it's a happy death. No, no, no. It's, I have so I for have you a podcast friend. listeners out yeah, there. Yeah, let this be a warning. Slather. Well, if you're in the sun, you know a lot of ways people can die. You know all the. <laughs> Whoa, segue, blue ribbon. You know what I do. I, I like, like that to sell segue. books. I like to sell books. So I, you know what? And I was unselling them by telling those melanoma stories. I so mean, thank you. Reel I, me back in. I like 
to go Real back. Man. I think I think the entire world but, should be buying your books. And, you know, and yeah. That, yeah. that is why it was recommended on After Party Chat's list of books you should buy. I'm really honored. Do you, well, I, I think... How I, many books, well, you know, how many books... Uh, do we sell? No. How many books are on a list? No, it's only... It, it, you'll have to read the story, but it basically, it breaks down oh, okay. a, a bunch of different things you should do. And one of the things you should when buy When did it is, go up? I can't believe it, I haven't read it yet. This week. Okay. Well, I will I, send you the link. One of the things you should do is I do my after buy... party reading on Saturdays. It's only Friday. Okay. <laughs> you, what you should do is buy a Jerry Stahl book. And I said, I, you know, I said all of them, but I only linked to the new one because it's all about selling the new one. You know what I mean? Like, it's great. Go buy all of them. Well, it's good that people try to buy the one that's still in print. That's not true. All your books are in print. That's not true. Don't even tell me Permanent Midnight's not in print. Don't even tell me that. I will jump out that window. I don't believe it, so. Let me go put a mattress down. That book is not out of print. I fatty as well. That is ludicrous. Don't get me started. But you know what? They exist somewhere, and if you can get them for a penny on Amazon, God bless. Yeah. I I don't know if you... But go to a used bookstore, ladies and gentlemen, because they need it more than Jeff Bezos. I was in his wedding. Don't get me wrong. I love him too, but please. (laughs) I was in his wedding. I'm the only person who was at that wedding who isn't a trillionaire. You know so many famous millionaire type people. I don't at all. I just, he happened to... Oh, look at you. You intimidate a man into urinating in his socks in the lobby, and now you're dropping a Jeff... I was in his... I've only been in one wedding, and it was Did you used to go out with Jeff? Because everybody I mentioned, you apparently went out with. Name one person I... Oh, God. Thank I'm not gonna God we were not recording during that. No. People, We've all had a few of those. We all have a few of those. No, he married my childhood, my, my childhood, the first friend I ever had, because she was, she's the daughter of my mom's best friend, and we were in the same play group. And we had been in the same so play group. It's very sweet. And then we had, you know, grown apart, and then we had both moved to New York right after college, and we happened... You started another play group. We happened to, but like... Not even hang out that much, just hang out a little mm-hmm. bit. And, and quite frankly, and I say this safely knowing that the Bezos family does not listen to this podcast. I mean, she's an amazing woman, but I was surprised she asked me to be in her wedding. You know, Jeff and I play handball. <laughs> Jeff is picking you up, right, today? He's from this? waiting out there. I said, fuck her, hang out. What do you got going on? So, but I, so, and so she asked me to be in the wedding, and so I was in the wedding, yeah. Does that mean you had to get the uh, synchronized wedding gowns? And... They, um, th- at that point, um, they were, they were both investment bankers in New mm, York. and um, Sexy. Yeah, and then, and then. Sexy hot. And then Amazon happened. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you trying to sell some books because I am not by nature a salesman. Yeah. But I don't think you need to be. You're good enough that like you shouldn't be. Remember we had this conversation about, okay, so you recently joined Twitter. Two, I did. A month ago, I would say. I don't think, yeah, maybe a month. I guess it has been a month, yeah. I suddenly got this thing that said, at some Jerry Stahl is following you. Of course, I was very thrilled. I, you know, did a little dance. I didn't, I did an emotional dance in my heart because I was excited that you're, <laughs> you're looking at me. You know, me. women have said a lot of things to me over the years, but can I tell you something? <laughs> Nobody so. has ever said they did a little emotional dance in their heart. I was very... I am, I am, you know what? I was very excited that you were following me. Did you see that little flutter in my shirt? 
I saw that was my heart doing an emotional dance. <laughs> oh my god, I saw no flutter, but I believe it was very subtle and very real. Well, my heart's not, you know, but that's really nice. You know, I, I do follow you, and so you, know. you were there, and um, and so you said that Mark Marin is the guy who said, you know, get over he yourself. Kicked my ass onto yeah. Twitter. Yeah, get over it. Yeah, you know, I'm not by nature a self promoter, yeah. but. There's no other promotion going on right now with this book, so we yeah. do what we have to do, and I believe in the book. Yeah, I actually yeah. kind of I really love this one, which is not something I you know you like them all, but this is one I want out there. That's so interesting. I hate one of my books. Do you really like them all? I mean, your books are all good, so you should. I don't think about them all, but you know, when they're done, you move on. It's like abandoning your child yeah. at a train station. Yeah, you know. Well, but the this publishers one, do that, so why not us too? Oh, yeah, the publishers don't even make it to the train station. That's a whole other story. But, um, yeah. So, uh, plus, I want people to know this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I really want people to know this shit. I love when I posted that on Facebook. The first comment was from a friend of mine in New York who's one of the smartest people I know. And she said, oh, my God, I just learned 50 things from just the interview that we did. I mean, about what's... um, you know, what's in breast milk and, and all these Isn't things. Isn't that crazy yeah, that breast milk contains... Among other festive items, toilet cleaner, benzines, and how does, air conditioner fluid, how does it contain and my food? favorite, lithium. And I need I was breastfed. Don't know if it helped. Well, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world if my baby gets some free lithium. Yeah. That could maybe give her a head start. Does does she seem to be depressed? It's hard to tell because Babies scream and cry, and yeah. you don't associate the word with, like, she's a depressive. Right, right, know? right. They just kind of communicate that way. Baby's first depression. I'm going to put that in her little, our little keepsake book. Are you making a baby book? Um, Is your you wife may- making a baby book? Neither of us are making baby books. I'll tell you We something. just made a baby. That's where we start. That's good. But a baby book, I'll tell you, my, my baby It sounds book. wonderful. That when I grew up, my, my I have an older brother, and he had the most amazing baby book you've ever seen. I mean, it was like locks of his hair and every little thing he'd ever done. And they and didn't do picture. it for you. Not only did they not do it, I was named Diana at birth. They changed my name because they're they're wait, a little wait, wait, wait. insane. At birth, they changed your name. Yes. Do you want to know why? Because that's not even the surprising part. When you say at birth, and you had a name, yeah. And on then, my birth certificate, and then literally that day, they, they legally changed. had it changed. No, that's a whole other story. I had to go and do that. But so the you are so not a Diana. I know you're an Anna. I know they they well at least they well I guess that. Anna Anna's kind of so it's is it yeah. short for Diana? I, so I guess so. So what happened is they said Diana. They put that on the birth certificate, and my mother said when she looked at me, "This is inside." I love my mother, but this is insight into her wacky mind. Um, we can't name her Diana because that's the name of the goddess of virginity and she will feel terribly guilty when she loses her virginity. She went right there. She went right there. And how old were you? Zero. You know, I was a day. You were zero. I was a day. I was like a few hours old. And so they And she was already thinking about you losing your virginity. Already thinking about it. Yeah. And so that seems like an insane reason to change the name, but I'm really grateful they did it anyway, you know? And so then I was named, they just started calling me Anna, and then they creatively decided they would change the name Diana to have it have two N's. So there were three different names. There was Diana with one N, Diana, Diana with two N's. And then I tried to get into England and they wouldn't let me in. Because you had an extra N? Because my extra N, because a, a license, a passport said one thing and a, a, a license said another. <sighs> That is crazy. It is crazy. 
And then I went to have it legally changed. I was I was interning at a law firm. You were going to DN it, right? I was going to take one of those ends out. Make yeah, I was going to make the or die. just go right to Anna. I was going to make the die die, and yeah. I went die die Anu. Yeah, <laughs> as I used to say. As you know, it's Friday night or Shabbat. That is was it? the extent of my. Uh, it's not night. You just outjewed me. I know that was the most Jewish I know how to be. Um, but I'm almost done with this fascinating story. It's a great story. So, um, I, so I said, I want to change my name. And this lawyer at the law firm where I was interning said, that's fine. And, you know, they have to run it in the paper in case I was, you know, trying to avoid creditors. Yeah. You know, at 18. Mm -hmm. And then I changed it in Marin County, which is, you know, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And where I was living, I was living sure. at home, sure. and I had to go to court, and it was Marin County. So the judge, <laughs> the judge is like, so it was a name change day at the court. So the judge goes, it was name change yeah, day at the court? Clearly, is that like Casual Friday? <laughs> so that's people who are just there for name changes. Because well, what happened is what the person, a crowd that must have been. <laughs> the person who went before me, it was like the judge goes, okay, now this <laughs> is Cindy Johnson, and she is changing her name to Flower. Rainbow, and then he'd like hit the thing. Granted, and and it was they were only hippie, you know, because Marin is where like then you come in, and then I come in, and he's like Diana David, changing her name to Anna David, and he sort of looks at me and goes, Diana's a really nice name. He got he had been very serious. Did you tell him the virgin story? I don't know if I busted out with the virgin story in court, but (laughs) I know I walked away with the name I wanted. That's a beautiful story. Who has the name they want? Do you like your name? You have a good name. Come on. Would you pick Stahl as a last name? No, okay, here's the thing. It's like a band name. All band names sound terrible until they become popular, and then they, and then they all sound good, except for Hootie and the Blowfish. Like, they all start to sound, no matter how, Goo Goo Dolls, whatever it is, it starts to not sound stupid the more it catches on. So by the time I'd heard your name, I'd already heard of Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'll take so, that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Jerry's not bad. Well, if you'll notice in every like sitcom or movie, Jerry is always like the dick, the douchebaggy guy. Oh, I could see that. Jerry, like my friend Eric Bogosian does a lot of monologues and stuff. And whenever there's a Jerry, it's always the kind of moronic, loud, (laughs) kind of like gas bag, you know? But that's just Jerry. That's Jerry. Anna is There was Dick Van Dyke and then there was Jerry Van Dyke, the loser. And didn't, it was Odd Couple? No, that was Felix and somebody. That was Felix. And Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. Anna is always the castrating female. She's always awful. Kills. So you went from like sort of virginal to castrating. Well, I guess they're not mutually exclusive. They're I guess not. that's how you stay a virgin. I guess so. It didn't Castration. Work. <laughs> Did you think of Diana when you lost your virginity? I didn't. I no. didn't. I, I didn't. I, but I did wait. I was very, I was 21. So maybe mom's plan, original wow. plan worked. I was late. Yeah. Yeah. I was not, I was like, oh, I'll, you know, be in love. I, th- I thought that I would only. I think that's great. Yeah. When did you lose your virginity? What time is it now? <laughs> uh, I was uh, I was a youngster. Yeah, I was fifteen. But it's different. It yeah, it's different for guys and girls. You mean? It was, it was a different time. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about being in love. You didn't to say. I don't think men. It is a very grotesque story, which I won't march out. But it is in, in Perv. It's in it's in there. Okay, that is the one book of yours that I have not read. So that is a Maybe horrible torture. Okay, it, it's a very funny. It's a coming of age story. About a guy in the 70s who uh, wants to be a hippie. Kind of like misses it and wants to be a hippie. He's yeah. He's like 16, 17. Tries to go on the road with his girlfriend who's a Hare Krishna who doesn't like him. 
how many of your books have autobiographical uh, elements like that? Probably all. It's like, uh, I thought iFatty was just pure iFattiness. And then when, uh, for two minutes, Philip Seymour Hoffman was going to play the character for a second. Oh, that would have been great. It would have been wonderful, such as life. Optioned by Johnny Depp. And uh, I, I visit it in the graveyard of projects that have You never been, know what's going to get made. One never knows. I put flowers on it once a year. But the point of the story is that he said, well, you know, Jerry, this is really about you disguised as like a fat, silent actor from the early And that was the century. first time it occurred to you when Philip Seymour Hoffman said that? This is the thing about writing, at yeah. least my writing. I don't know what I've done until somebody else tells me or I think about it later. I'm not a calculating writer. I'm, yeah. I don't know if the word is intuitive or careless, but either way, you know. You think you're I'm not that, writing about you. Well, I don't consciously think about it. Obviously, I brought the emotions to it, but... You know that great Norman Mailer description of, this, of writing a novel? No, I don't think so. Because they always talk to him about plots, and I'm not a big plotter. I was watching that dog lick something untoward over there. Anyway. How cute is that dog? He's great. I just wonder if its master is a foot fetishist because he's been licking his tennis shoe for a while. But I don't judge. To be fair, who is not a foot fetishist? I mean, who doesn't like to have their feet licked? It's a rhetorical question, don't worry. Is that why this is happening? <laughs> Uh, the Norman Mailer quote. He said, writing a novel is like driving at night. You can see 20 feet ahead in mm. your headlight, and then when you get there, you can see the next 20 feet. So that's sort of... I, I write for two reasons. Yeah. You get the voices out of my head and to see what the hell I'm thinking. That's so interesting. So you don't plot. I do not plot. I mean, that's what movies are for. People right. are giving your money. They want to know how you get from A to whatever the fuck right. happens after A. Right. Yeah, um, and so speaking of movies, you wrote a movie that, do I have, well, you can say it. This do is you have I, a cough button? <laughs> Excuse me, thank you. I thought you. you said a cough drop, so I'm really glad that you spoke up. Cause no, because that would have aspartame in it. As we know from Happy Mutant Baby Pills, aspartame will turn your brain to vaporous hell. So do you avoid all toxins? How can, you can't avoid all toxins, you can't. Which, which ones do you consciously avoid? I don't do the sweeteners. You know, yeah. aspartame is what bad news. What about sugar? You know. It's not great. Uh, it's better than aspartame. You know, it's all about the... Pro see, all of, it's not the, the sugar itself. It's all the processing and chemicals and yeah. shit. You know, yeah. like even wheat now is horrible for you. Not because wheat's bad. Right. Because all the crap they do to it. What about the gluten-free thing? Does that help? Well, you know, I don't... Uh, I'm always suspect of something that only movie stars seem to do in the way of dieting. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm the opposite. I start doing it. Well, that's why you look so much better than I do. I don't think so. Um, the problem with talking to you is that it's so interesting that 99 threads get dropped on the ground, and then I and then we forget my senility kicks in, and I can't remember um, all the many things that. Well, we've been chatting. You know, we're, yeah. we're covering the waterfront here. It's it's great to be on this because. I wonder how many after partiers. Is that what you call your followers, after partiers? Or do you, you know call what? them after You just called them that. They they never had a name until now. Well, you know, it's like Mark with WTF. What's up, what the fuckers? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, <laughs> what's up after party? Is it after party chat or after party? No, it's after party pod. So they would be after, after party. They're after partiers. What's up, after partiers? Yeah. Come on. Did yeah. I just help you out? A lot. I'm, and now I wish I'd been videotaped. I might make you do it afterwards and videotape you doing it. It's funny, you know, I just, I just did a, uh, a spot for KPFK. Okay. 
where I did this, this book show, Bibliography, and I got to do a spot so that they can play on their all-night show. Okay. When my, uh, what was it? When my drug-addled characters can't sleep, they stay up and listen to KPFK. You know, it was one of those. Good, they pay you? No, it's no. promo. I don't know why I marched it out. But, oh, I know why, because I came up with after partiers. Do you yeah. edit this, or do they get to sit through this whole slog? <laughs> They're going to sit through it and love it. They are going to love it. They do love it. Um, the reason that I love... And you I'm are just, so great to talk to. i got to tell you, most interviewers... You were very good at giving compliments. I um, And you don't believe any of them, do you? I don't know. I do. I do you think I'm just some single... conning bastard who's going to go out and tell this guy in the lobby? No, my... I think you are excellent at making people feel good. And I, I say that as a great compliment. I wish I were Yeah, you know, It's funny it. because a lot of people say, what's Jerry like? And they'll say, you know what? He makes you feel good. He just makes me feel good. I don't know why. He didn't even say anything. He just sat down and I felt this aura well, of feel-goodification. Well, and it's the way in, with your writing you are able to deliver incredibly disturbing truths in a way that, ha- ha- that makes people laugh out loud, which is incredibly rare. So I think it does actually go with your, personal- your, your writing and your personality go together. It's like if Ronald McDonald told you you had cancer. <laughs> Like, hey, it's, it's not, Ronald McDonald. It's no, it's like nothing that. like it's that. It's literally just it's, the it's probably the opposite, opposite of that. that. And I'm sorry I brought that up. That, no, but but that I think pedophilic, weird it, clown. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm assuming you don't you don't do a lot of McDonald's. <laughs> well, you know, I worked at McDonald's, not to brag, I, at the age of thirty eight. Yeah. Know. So I just did an interview for the LA Times about two weeks ago, which I only mentioned because he wanted us to do the interview at McDonald's and it was the first time I had set foot and not, not only that, but like, it was like borderline skid row McDonald's Which downtown, okay. downtown. Okay. Yeah. Keeping it real. Keeping it real McDonald's. Did you get toxins from being in it? Do you think? Well, the whole toxin thing, you can't avoid them. Yeah. What are you going to do? We live in LA, the shit's in the bubble. air and the water. Bubble yeah, boy. But who knows what the bubble's made of? True. Toxic plastic. True. You and, can't win in this world. And you don't go around wearing a mask like Asians do in airports. That's so interesting. What is that about? I don't know. I don't know. Does it work? Can it possibly work? It doesn't seem like I it mean, would work. Don't they say that our skin, notice how I touch Yeah, our skin that, that is the largest organ. Yeah. I mean, unless they just do, do bubble wrap. Yeah. If you can't be in the bubble, be in the bubble wrap. <laughs> Which is the title of my next self-help book. That is a good idea. A bubble suit. There are lots of fashion designers in this very building that we're in that I share the office with. Well, this is sort of what happened. To go back to, to Happy Mutant Baby Pills, the origin of that book on one level was being told that I yeah. was so toxic if I touched my pregnant wife. So we considered investing in hazmat sex suits. You didn't. So we could have hazmat sex without touching. It's it's a variation on the Orthodox Jew hole in the sheet, this being a Sabbath. Yeah. But then, okay, you you know you poke a hole in the hazmat suit. It's all over. Uh, it, I don't think it matters. You know, I, even, yeah. no matter how much protection you have, you I, just don't know. And it wasn't worth even it for for you know a momentary pleasure. Do I want to? Yeah damage your baby for the rest of your life and your baby is perfect i assume so far so good she cries a lot all babies cry a lot don't they none only yours I only mine. Um, mine mine's a bit yeah no yeah. she's beautiful she's fantastic 
Um, you know, all babies are great until they're old enough to know who you are when they turn, they turn on you. Um, that's not true. You have a, I know you have a lovely relationship with your daughter because I've seen you together several times and she seems great and very like, I'm very lucky because she, would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? No, that can't be fun. I don't know though. I, I would love to have like a cool dad. Like, I'm sorry. You're never cool to your kid. Well, I'm sure Keith Richards' kids thought, what a lame, you I know? I don't know. No, you're probably right. I mean, Angelica Houston just wrote a book, which is supposed to be very loving about her dad. Yeah, I heard that book is wonderful. But your daughter also... Look at us. We're pimping other people's books. <laughs> That's okay. Who, who, we, are, we give till it hurts. Yeah. Angelica Houston really needs us. That is for sure. But I feel like your daughter <laughs> just did something really incredible. Like, she's very successful in her own right. She's... Okay. She, yes, she's she, doing very well. She, she, I just went to a reading yes, of hers. Yes, she did a great that, reading. That, I, I read every tweet of yours. She is writing it. a really... She's much funnier than I am. She's writing a very funny book called Am I a Bad Conversationalist? Yes, that's what I read. And I saw her perform. It's hysterical. But to be on the receiving end, because, you know, obviously... Turnabout is fair play, as someone once said. I know. And Watch uh, out. I am on the receiving end of some of those barbs. Really? Oh yeah. Did she tell you what what it was in it before you saw nope. it? Nope. Yeah. Nope. I yeah. just I just chuckled. Yeah. I kept that smile glued on my face. Yeah. Like Diane von Furstenberg after a surgery. Well, you know, you know, it's hard as a writer who's funny. done that to other people. You know, you got it. Well, I never meant to, but you know, Permanent Midnight, if I do have any regrets, I wrote it about two minutes off the needle and then yeah. back on the needle. Yeah. And uh, I might have said some things. I mean, my friend Hubert Selby said, when you write about people you hate, do it with love. Yeah. But... My idea of love at the time might have been a little hateful. Right. And I, I named some people I wished I hadn't. But, uh, you know. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. It got cut in, cut by two-thirds anyway. So I was so obsessed with trying to retrieve some stuff. So did they cut some of the hate? I don't remember anything. They didn't cut that. You know, I didn't ever tell you what happened with no, this. No, no. You know, <laughs> just as I'm late getting on the Twitter, yeah. iPhone, Facebook train, I didn't have a computer. So somebody lent me a computer. It was an Apple knockoff. Okay. Which they don't even make anymore. No. It was some Australian Apple knockoff, like, hey, mate, or Joey, or JoJo, or something. And uh, I did this setting, what I thought was double space. Uh-huh. They wanted like a 300-page book. Right. Long story short, I turned pages. it. yeah. Well, like more like 700. Right. Right. But it was at the odd one and a half space. It was, in fact, like 1,300 pages. <laughs> and they were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, it was like the guy who hasn't had sex and it just comes like way too much and it's creepy, <laughs> you know? Could you could have made it into three books. Would have loved to do that. But what happened is, not complaining, just reporting. So yeah. They wanted to keep the sort of... I was a TV writer for like four minutes. The rest of the time, I was like sleeping in MacArthur Park and like right. stealing shit. And uh, kind of got rid of that. So it sort of looked like yuppie gone bad. Yeah. Which was a little disturbing for me. But I was so grateful to have a book that it sounds ungrateful to complain. It doesn't. It, how, did, how did it come about? Did you sell it as a proposal or... I tell you exactly how it came about. I had disappeared from the planet, and I used to do a lot of journalism, though yeah. most of it was before the internet, so it's gone. Yeah. But I did a lot of crazy-ass journalism, and I had a column 
in LA Magazine called Outer Limits. And I ran into my uh, editor on Hollywood Boulevard, and she looked at me like, what the fuck happened to you? Right. Because, you know, obviously I looked different. I was clean, but I was like green and weighed about 130 pounds. I lived in the basement of a crack house. I mean, I had to use a restaurant toilets. It was bad. I was clean. But, right, right, you know, right. Life was so not you were exactly. Four I wasn't. I wasn't styling. No. Yeah, I was pretty clean, pretty yeah. newly clean. Long story short, she worked for a magazine called L.A. Styles. So she asked me to write about what Remember happened. That I magazine. wrote about yeah. it. They called it Naked Brunch, and uh, on the basis of I that, that, okay, I got an agent who took a year of me trying to sell it as. A you'll never eat lunch again in this town kind of book uh-huh. until I finally had to dump his ass yeah. after wasting a year. Yeah. And then I just sort of wrote some more. And of all people, Warner Books, known for their cutting edge taste in literature, picked it up. And uh, then Ben and yeah. Stiller did the movie and all yeah. that. So I got really lucky. At 40, I'd never published a book. I had six unpublished novels. Right. For you aspiring writers out there who are sitting at home in your pajamas at 11 in the morning, if you have pajamas, just know you don't know what the fuck's going to happen. You don't. You really don't. You're not even close to how old I was when I suddenly had a career and a life. I'm 107, but so that's not true. But No, I'm talking about it. You know, oh, I, I hit at 40. You know, well, I wrote the book at 39, and at 38, I was working at McDonald's. Right. 37, I was under a bus bench. Right. And at 36, I was, like, looking for a bus bench. So, right. you know, that's the progression. But at 30, you had been writing for magazines. and I'd done a ton of magazine yeah. writing, but there was a couple of years when I was just gone, gone, gone. Well, I feel like that's a good note to end on, right? I mean, if they've made it this far, this is, this, we've done over an hour. We're fascinated. I want though. to give. No I want. I want to give them a little reward for hanging in. What, what, what can we give them? Um, Anna, not I, Diana. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, they aside do, from the pleasure of listening to you ask questions, seriously, and me answering them. Seriously, you know that makes me feel like you know what? This is how determined I am to sell other people's books. I'll like tell we should you, be doing a contest. I think. Yeah. If so, can people contact and interact with you? Yes. I think if somebody contacts you yes. with their in. It has to be tweet-sized, like yeah. one sentence, 140 characters or less. Yeah. Their most shameful public moment. Okay. And it doesn't even have to be on drugs, because you know what? It can be just as shameful, even more shameful. Absolutely. You pick the winner, I will sign and send them a free book. That is such a good idea. You guys hear that? It's a shame fest. Not it's a contest, a shame, fest. a shame fest. You get a signed copy. He's going to write your name. I'm going to write your name and a personal dedication. He writes, I have a signed book by you, so something just went in my eye. So I know that he Are writes really good. <laughs> I'm so crying. moved by your generosity towards my listeners. Thank you. Um, I'm you tearing guys, up myself. Yeah, that's a very generous thing. So, Jerry, you are a delight, and I'm so grateful you did this. And, and I'll be able to say I knew you when, because you are going to be yeah. the Jewish Oprah. <laughs> so true.